everybody. We are Joe and Rachel Tenney. We're friends of Kevin, and he's kindly given us a chance to share with you what we are doing with our podcast, Control Free Christianity. Sometimes good and beautiful things like the Bible, church, even teachings about God himself are misused. People can use these things of God to control, manipulate, and abuse others. What should bring freedom in life end up bringing bondage? How do we work through things like spiritual abuse, narcissism in the church, and overbearing authority? Join Rachel and I as we podcast most weeks as we share what has brought us and so many other people freedom in Jesus. We would love to have you join us. You can find us by searching for Control Freak Christianity on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast platform, or you can head to controlfreakchristianity.com. See you there. You're listening to the serialized preview of The Many Phases of Lily Andrews, Phase 4, Artificial, written and read by Kevin Morris. To unlock the full ad-free version of this audiobook as it airs, head over and support the project on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash lilyandrews. That's Lily spelled L-I-L-Y. If you haven't yet listened to the original three short stories, Phases 1 through 3, they are available on Audible. The link is in the show notes. To learn more, visit theminiphasesoflilyandrews.com. Thanks for listening. Chapter 12, Second Wind Lily, Emmy, William, and Aiden waved as Callan disappeared into the distance in her brother's vehicle. It was hard to believe it was already Friday, but not one of the kids dared question it. The sound of hissing filled the air as a nearby bus shut its doors and began backing out of the parking lot. Today, Lily waited not for her mother, but for her grandparents. She and Miles would be staying with them until Sunday when their parents returned from celebrating their anniversary. She'd been looking forward to it all week. As if by providence, she also somehow managed not to have any homework to get in the way of enjoying the weekend. As the first bus departed, Lily looked over at Aiden, who appeared to be staring in the direction of his neighborhood. It was hard to tell where he was looking sometimes through the tint of his sunglasses. Aiden, shouldn't you be heading to your bus? It's going to leave soon. The boy did not show the slightest sign that he had heard her. Aiden, she tried again. Finally, the three kids exchanged a look, declaring their intent to join forces. Aiden, they all said at once. Without so much as flinching, the boy slowly turned his head towards them. What? he asked earnestly. The three of them sighed collectively, grinning all the while. He was like that last period, too. It took Mrs. Winston three tries to get through to him, William told them. Did you take enough notes for Monday? Emmy asked, stepping into Aiden's line of sight. He continued to stare straight ahead, like one of those British guards. She then began waving her hand in front of his eyes. Wakey, wakey. I'm awake, I'm awake, he insisted, suddenly coming to life. Emmy repeated her concern. Are your notes good enough for Monday? Lily had understood what her best friend was getting at from the moment she first asked the question. Every Monday, their English teacher asked to see each of the students' notes from the previous week and then issued a grade based on the quality of their work. It was a good way to gauge whether or not bad grades were a result of struggling with the curriculum or simply not paying attention. Considering how hard it was for Aiden to stay awake in class, it was a fair assumption that his notes were not up to par. It is hard to sleep and pay attention at the same time. They're okay the boy claimed. 
I doubt that, William chimed in. As they spoke, Lily removed her backpack from her shoulder and placed it on the ground. It was so much lighter when she didn't have to lug her books around for homework. Stooping down, she began rummaging through its contents. Before any of the others had realized what she was doing, she had removed her green five-subject notebook and offered it to Aiden. Here, copy mine over the weekend. If you don't, you're going to get a bad grade. Even though they were not in the same English class together, Lily had the exact same curriculum as William and Aiden. You don't have to do that, Aiden said plainly. Yeah, he can borrow my notes, William volunteered. Would you borrow your notes? Emmy retorted. Good point. It's okay. I'm all done with my homework, so I don't need it, Lily explained, pushing the notebook into Aiden's hands. The English section's at the very back. All right, I'll get them back to you at lunch Monday, the drowsy boy relented, however reluctantly. The doors to the second school bus closed with a hiss, and the engine began to roar. You better run, Lily implored him. Why? he asked. Because the second bus is leaving. Your bus is next, William exclaimed. Crud! Aiden cried out, finally coming to life. See you Monday. Bye, the group replied in staggered voices as he took off. However, halfway down the sidewalk, he stopped, swiftly spinning around, and looked back. By the way, how did your math test go, William? He shouted. Not sure yet, but I feel pretty good about it, William yelled back through cupped hands. Cool. And with that, Aiden was gone. He's not as fast as before, William commented, almost to himself. Before anyone can say anything else, a sharp screeching pierced the air, causing the three and everyone around them to wince and cover their ears. A silver car turned into the parking lot at such a high speed that it had to slam on its brakes to make the stop before crashing into the line of vehicles. That was close, William laughed, his voice muffled through Lily's hands as she slowly removed them from her ears. Who's that? Emmy asked. That, Lily sighed, is my bomba. The two gave her a grave look as she straightened up. I'll see you later, she said with less confidence in her words than she would have liked. Putting on a stoic face, she marched towards the car. As she did, Lily wondered why Papaw was not driving. Everyone knew he was the better driver, though no one would dare say it out loud. Miles rode in the front seat of the vehicle, a look of mortal terror on his face. Only his eyes followed her as he faced straight ahead. The poor kid had been Bomba's passenger for the last twenty minutes. His nerves were probably shot. Hey, Bomba, she said, forcing some cheerfulness into her voice. Lily buckled up and grabbed the handle just above the back seat window. As she did, the car lunged forward, hopping out of line and exiting the parking lot. Once Bamba got on the main road, her foot was not so heavy. At least that's what Lily told herself as she stared out the window at the passing houses. Bamba, where's Papa? she asked. Her original question was going to be why her grandpa was not the one driving, but she did not want to risk offending the elderly woman. Your papa fell and hurt his leg, Bamba answered. The statement was delivered so lightheartedly that its meaning took a moment to fully impact the kids. Oh no, Lily said in a dire tone. How? Bamba sighed. Your grandfather fell off a skateboard. Silence. Wait, what? Miles perked up, abruptly joining the conversation. He must have been too busy holding on for dear life to have already made this inquiry. Like Lily at this moment, the boy was probably wondering if he needed to clean out his ears. A group of teenagers started skateboarding down our street about a month ago, Bamba explained. Your papa met them on one of his walks. 
The next thing I know, he's gone out and bought himself a skateboard. Both children grinned dumbly as they listened. According to all the adults in Lily's family, Papa had never exactly grown up. Bamba, who had known her husband since childhood, testified that the man's childlike spunk had been a constant. The walks Bamba had referred to were not something he took because he wanted to stay in shape or get fresh air. These daily outings were his way of scratching the itch to go somewhere new. One time, her grandfather had called home from some random diner to request a ride after wandering three counties over. When asked why he traveled so far on foot, he simply stated that he was bored and had nothing else planned. For someone in their late 60s, Papa was in phenomenal physical shape. In fact, he had always been exceptionally agile. About two years ago, when his body had finally grown tired, landing him in the nursing home, everyone was prepared for the worst. Though his spirit was willing, his body was weak. The peculiar thing about this was that he had still managed to get around just fine. He had not lost any of his motor skills or the use of his legs or anything like that. He had just gotten really tired. However, after his miraculous recovery, or what Lily knew as the day he drank liquid sunshine, the man had been granted a physical vigor to return to his youthful antics. He continued to embrace his reputation for doing things few elderly people are ever seen doing. In fact, according to Lily's father, Papaw seemed even more childlike now than ever before. Their family referred to this as the man's second wind. He's been skateboarding with that same group of boys after school every day for quite a while now, Bamba continued. But then yesterday he fell off his board and sprang his ankle. I'm sure he'll want to be the one to give you the details. As she was finishing, their vehicle approached the driveway to the grandparents' house. Without warning, Bamba jerked the wheel and the car cut through a portion of the yard before coming to a jolting stop in the driveway, burning rubber and throwing up dirt from the yard in the process. Lily could see several spots of overturned soil, worn away from Bamba's daily driving. Your papa's been adjusting the mirrors again, the woman grumbled. It makes it to where you can't see the driveway so well. Before their grandmother had even put the car fully into park, Lily and Miles popped the locks on their doors and fled the vehicle. Papa stood in the doorway when they reached the front porch. How are my two favorite grandchildren? Papa, we're your only grandchildren, Lily groaned as he sandwiched her and her brother into a hug. That's true. I guess I have no other grandchildren to compare you to, her grandfather conceded, releasing them from his grip. I guess you aren't so great after all. Hey, the two kids exclaimed, faking anger. Having achieved his desired reaction, the man smiled and ruffled both of their hair. Billy, go inside and get off that leg, Bamba shouted, shutting the car door. I'm fine, Mavis, he insisted. You're thick-headed, now go. It was always strange to hear her grandparents referring to each other by their first names. The old man stood his ground for a moment, but then retreated inside with his grandkids when Bamba began stomping towards them. The old man stood his ground for a moment, but retreated inside with his grandkids when Bamba began stomping towards them. An hour later, Lily found herself at the kitchen table snacking on a banana. A glass of cold milk rested on a coaster to her left, and she was using her free hand to play a game of Chinese checkers with Papaw. It was hard to remember how the tradition had started, but every time she visited her grandparents' house, she was offered a glass of milk and a banana. Papaw was in the middle of making a triple jump with one of his marbles. The game of Chinese checkers was quite simple. Get all your spherical pieces to the opponent's side of the board by piggybacking them off of other pieces. It was not a particularly exciting game, but required a great deal of strategy. As Papaw finished his move, he slurped the liquid from his glass of milk. 
Out of the corner of her eye, Lily could see Bamba shaking her head in amused disapproval. She and Miles were sitting on the couch, each with a sketch pad and pencil in hand. Satisfied with his drink, her grandfather placed the glass back on the table and let out a breathy, ah. According to him, this was how one ought to express appreciation for any beverage. Apart from this, the only sounds were the light scribbling of pencils on paper and the rhythmic ticking of the grandfather clock in the living room. Lily managed to get another one of her marbles to Papaw's side. Nice move, Lily Blossom, the man said. You might beat me yet. She surveyed the board. She had three pieces on the opposite side. Papaw had eight. It only took ten to win. Yeah, right, she scoffed. I'm never going to beat you again. Out of the countless times they had played, she'd only ever managed to best her grandfather twice, and she was pretty sure he let her win at least one of those times. Not with that attitude, he chuckled, jumping another piece halfway across the board into her base. Not with you being so good, she groaned. As she began considering her next move, Papal turned his attention to the couch dwellers. What are you two drawing over there? It's a surprise, Bamba said after allowing Miles the opportunity to answer. He was so focused that he probably didn't even hear the question. Papal turned back to his granddaughter, who had just gotten another marble into place. Your grandmother is trying to capture my magnificence, he whispered. Hey, Mr. Magnificent, Bamba addressed him without looking up. Did you tell your grandkids how you fell off your skateboard yesterday? I swear someone raised that guardrail. It wasn't that high off the ground when we grinded on it last week. Bamba set down her pencil for a moment and looked up with a sly smile. Oh, really now? It's either that or I'm getting out of shape. The woman hesitated. And out of those two, you think someone raised the rail? It's the only logical explanation, Papaw said matter-of-factly. Just look at me. I'm in spectacular condition. You can't keep your eyes off me. Lily cracked a smile at the exchange and watched as Papaw began moving his last marble. That smile quickly faded as the man pulled off a triple jump for the win. Wait, how? She stuttered, but was cut off as Papaw continued to talk to his wife. But putting your lust for me aside, I haven't told them because I want to show them where I wiped out. Absolutely not. You are not wandering the streets on that leg, Bamba countered. I've got my cane. It'll be fine. As if to conclude his argument, he tipped back the remainder of his milk and let out another loud, ah, extending his head towards his wife as he did so. But she just folded her arms, as if to say, you aren't going anywhere on my watch. Dinner that night was breakfast food, which included biscuits, bacon, hash browns, and eggs of various styles. Lily had requested hers sunny side up, while Miles was more of an over-easy kind of boy. Watching Papa and Bamba eat was an interesting experience. They were about as opposite as Miles and Sicily. Bamba went through her food methodically, one entree at a time, whereas Papa mixed everything together in the middle of his plate. The elderly woman liked to prioritize and savor her food but her husband's philosophy was, it all ends up in the same place anyway. Once the meal was done and the dishes washed, Bamba announced to the household that she was going to take a bath. Miles had returned to his sketch pad, and Lily was sprawled out on the unoccupied portion of the couch, digesting her dinner. Papaw had disappeared into the den twenty minutes prior to do who knew what. As Bamba headed back into her bedroom, Lily lay still, looking around the room and listening to the ticking of the grandfather clock. The interior of her grandparents' house had not changed since she was born. 
By comparison, she was pretty sure her mother had rearranged the furniture in her own house several times throughout the years. Perhaps the elderly couple just did not feel the need to. Lily supposed they had seen the world change a great deal over their lifetime. It must be nice to have some things that were always the same. She heard Bomba close the door to the bathroom, followed by a low humming in the wall that she recognized as the running water. At this, Papaw entered the room, almost like he had been cued by the sound. He set something on the kitchen table and motioned at her with a mischievous grin. Come on, kitties, he whispered from across the parlor. Miles tore his eyes away from his paper, but it was Lily who spoke first. Where are we going? For a little walkie-poo, her grandfather replied. But Bomba said you shouldn't do that, Miles said. Shh, Papaw put his finger to his mouth. Sometimes it's easier to ask forgiveness than permission. Besides, I left her a note saying I kidnapped you. We'll be back before too long. Now come on, it's a beautiful night. Understanding that Papaw would be the one to experience Bomba's wrath, the children relented and followed him into the den and out the back door, closing it quietly behind them. Night had fully fallen, shrouding Cypress Street in shadows. The moon appeared absent tonight, leaving only the neighborhood's few street lamps to light their way. But the staggered lights also conjured shadows from the trees and bushes along the road, which shifted as the plants rocked in the wind. If Papaw had not been there, it might have been too creepy to make the journey. The houses on each side of the road were quaint and fairly close together. As they started down the street, Lily could hear the muffled sounds of after-dinner conversations and television programs emanating from the various homes. There was also the rhythmic tapping of her grandfather's cane on the ground. Even with the support, Papaw's walk was loose and impulsive. Whether or not he had a destination in mind, his posture always suggested he was wandering aimlessly without a care in the world. Though he always moved forward, his path could change at any moment, taking advantage of anything he came across. If he saw a wall and wanted to walk on it, he did so. But the cane and his injury were definitely restricting his movement tonight. He was in great shape, but not invincible. For the first few minutes, no one spoke. The old man discovered a lava rock from someone's garden in the middle of the road and knocked it forward with his walking stick. It traveled down the street with them, being passed back and forth as they went. Your Bomba's been my warden ever since I hurt my leg, Papaw finally laughed. She means well, but I had to get out of that house. Do you think your leg will be okay? Lily asked, still concerned. Who do you think you're talking to? A little sprained ankle can't stop me. Besides, I've got my cane. The rock landed in front of him, and he did a full spin, putting his weight on his walking stick and coming off the ground slightly. At the end of his trick, his shoe made contact with a piece of gravel, sending it flying up the road. You're crazy, Papa, Lily giggled. It's better than being boring, he replied, then proceeding to change topics. So, Mr. Miles Away, he began, your mother tells me you have a lady in your life. Yeah the boy confirmed, almost seeming to enjoy saying the word. It was the kind of yeah someone might exhale when getting into a hot tub. What's her name? Sicily. Oh, an Italian. Papaw seemed impressed. You know, Italian is the language of love. Yeah, Miles answered, more plainly this time. Lily was pretty sure her brother had, in fact, not known this, but only pretended to. You might want to hold on to that one, Papaw advised with a hint of humor in his voice. We're going to get married one day, Miles stated, as if it were olden times and the two's parents had already entered into some kind of agreement. Well, I wish you both the best, Papaw acknowledged. The man spoke as if Miles's convictions would actually come to pass. 
You know, your Bamba and I met when we were only ten. Really? Lily took interest. Yep, I used to ride bikes with this group of guys from my neighborhood. Your grandmother only lived two blocks over, but we had never met because the street between us was the district line. What's that? Miles asked. This was the most Lily had heard him engage in a conversation since the last time Sicily had been over. It means we lived in two different school districts, so we didn't go to the same school, Papaw explained. I first saw your Bamba when biking down her street. You see, she also had a group of friends that rode bicycles together. Now, this might sound silly, but when I first saw her, I honestly believed I was going to marry her. But you didn't know that for sure, right? Lily asked skeptically. Not for certain, but I believed it with every fiber of my ten-year-old being. So, naturally, I decided to try to impress her. As my group approached hers on the road, I tried to pop a wheelie. However, all I succeeded in doing was falling on my back and messing up my bike. At least this got her to stop and ask me if I was okay. I was going to stand up and play it off, but when I did, my shorts snagged on a damaged spoke and ripped down the side, exposing my undies. Papa paused a moment to let his grandkids have a good bout of disbelieving laughter. Needless to say, he began again, I thought I would die of embarrassment. But when I saw how hard I'd made your grandma giggle, I considered the whole ordeal a win. It had made her notice me, after all, and our two groups of friends became acquainted after that. But before I knew it, we had both entered high school and kind of forgot about each other for a time. But you don't want to listen to me flap my jaw all night. Don't stop now, Miles implored. What happened next? Lily agreed with fervor, giving the lava rock a stern kick. All right, you asked for it, Papa went on, seeming pleased to have a captive audience. The next time we met, she would never forget me again. You could say I left my mark on her. He seemed to crack himself up with that last bit. We were sophomores in high school. I was on the golf team, and we were playing an away game against a rival school. It all started when I teed off on hole four. I reared back and whacked the ball so hard that it flew onto another course. You mean you sliced, Lily corrected him smugly. Papa himself had taught her the meaning of the term, and it had now come back to bite him. Fine, some might say I sliced the ball into the fairway of hole two. I still might have played that ball and made par, but there was a commotion. Apparently, my ball had hit a golfer in the head. That golfer was your grandma. No way, Miles exclaimed. Was she hurt? She had a bump the exact size of the golf ball on the right side of her forehead. You could even see the imprint. She wasn't exactly happy. Luckily, she wasn't very cohesive either. I recognized her immediately and realized I had just injured my future wife, which made me feel even worse than I already did. I dropped everything, forfeiting my match, and escorted her to the clubhouse, where I took care of her until everyone else finished their games. And I must say, it was a much better way to spend the day than playing golf. When she felt better, I told her I was the underwear boy from two streets over. She remembered me instantly. Then I let my masculine charm take care of the rest. The next day, I walked to her house after school to check up on her, and by the next week, I'd asked her to go get a Coke. He paused for a moment before explaining. That was our equivalent of a first date back then. We'd go to a soda parlor and get a Coke, or a pop or whatever you kids call them these days. Oh, Miles expressed his comprehension. We were married two years later, just after graduating high school, Papaw concluded. It was no wonder that the man loved golf so much. In a way, it had given him his wife. You got married that young? Lily asked in disbelief. It was more common in those days. A lot of things happened faster, Papaw told her. 
But honestly, despite my obvious good looks, I'm still convinced that that golf ball was the main reason your Bamba agreed to marry me. What do you mean? Your grandma has always been way out of my league, Papa answered. I've always said I must have knocked the sense out of her. There's just no other way a woman that amazing would marry someone like me without a screw loose. Papa, you're a goober, Lily laughed. But you're an awesome goober, Miles interjected, seeming impressed by the whole story. Well, I won't argue with either of you, the old man chuckled. But just remember that your grandpa got lucky and married up. He hesitated and stood still. I had a point to all of this. It was like he had stopped moving in order to channel all his mental strength. Oh, yes. What I'm trying to say, Miles, is that you're never too young to meet the girl you'll marry. Papa never seemed to get to his points right away, which was probably why he was always forgetting them. His backstory had lasted most of the trip to the end of the street. Lily did not mind this time, though. She had never heard the story of how her grandparents met. It seemed to bring a new light to their relationship. Sometimes it was easy to forget that her elders had once been her own age. What about you, Lily Blossom? Papaw asked, shifting the focus to her. Have you met anyone you're going to marry one day? No, she answered quickly, feeling embarrassed for some reason. She was not even in high school yet, and everyone kept talking about relationships. Of course, Papaw had no way of knowing how many times the subject had come up recently. Fair enough, the man laughed. You'll be hard-pressed to find a boy worthy of you. When you do, bring him to me, and I'll cross-examine him. As he said it, he raised his cane horizontally and placed his cheek against it, looking down at it like the sights of a gun. Then, to Lily's relief, he dropped the subject with the impression, and they continued on. Cypress Street was shaped like the number seven, with its vertical and horizontal portions joined by a curve. A metal guardrail lined the bend to shield cars from running off the road when they did not slow down in time. We're here. Papa announced as they approached the curve, veering to the right shoulder of the street in case an unseen vehicle turned the corner. Check this out. He made his way to the guardrail and ran his hand over it, as if reverently petting some great beast. This is where your grandfather wiped out the other day. See this mark? He pointed to a sizable white scratch on the surface of the metal. That was me. Did you run into the rail? Miles asked, still unsure exactly how it had all gone down. I fell off the rail. Papaw corrected him with a twinkle in his eye. I was grinding it. Lily let that sink in for a moment. Her grandfather had made the leap onto this massive railing, and on a skateboard no less. She was not even sure she could jump that high. And this was not the first time I've done it, he continued. We grind this rail all the time. It was just the first time I slipped up, or should I say slipped off. Did you skateboard when you were a kid? Miles inquired, either missing his grandfather's attempt at humor or not being moved to laughter by it. Nope, just picked it up a month or so ago. When I first saw the crew doing it, I thought it looked like fun and asked if I could give it a whirl. They were skeptical at first, but boy, I taught them a lesson. The fact that a group of boys, of high school boys for that matter, had accepted an elderly man into their ranks seemed surreal to Lily. It's amazing you can skateboard so well, Miles said in admiration. I never doubted I could, Papal explained. You're only as old as you feel. A car came around the corner, taking the turn faster than it probably should have, and then sped past them. I suppose this isn't really the safest place to be, Papal recognized, turning and motioning back down the street. I just wanted you to see that your grandpa was injured in a noble pursuit. Lily had no clue how Bamba maintained her sanity, living her latter years with a man who took such risks. She must have grown used to it if her husband really had been this way since they met. 
Plus, the man always seemed to come out unscathed. The young at heart seemed to maintain favor with the Almighty. A thick fog had rolled in behind them, making the way back brighter but more ominous. Everything more than a few feet away grew shrouded and blurry. The haze was so thick that Lily could feel a thin layer of water form on her skin as they passed through it. Papaw halted, picking up his injured foot and then placing it gently back down again. The children walked ahead a few steps before realizing they were leaving their elder behind. Given the new eeriness of their surroundings, they were not about to go it alone. Sorry, guys, he said. The trip's just getting to me, is all. Are you going to be all right? Lily asked, a bit nervous. I'm going to be just fine, Papaw replied, a smile just visible on his face. The man twisted off the handle of his walking stick to reveal a hidden compartment. From there, he removed a small flask and lifted it in front of him, as if he were toasting something. It's like I said, I've got my cane. What's in that? Miles asked. This is my liquid sunshine, the old man answered with a sly grin. Lily's heart caught in her chest. She was no longer sure if the moisture on her skin was from the fog or a cold sweat. What had he said? After gathering her nerve, she asked, What's that? It makes my leg feel better. In some ways, she had been on edge since risking discovery two years ago by giving Papa liquid sunlight in the nursing home. She was almost positive that the elderly man had not even remembered the event, or at least never knew exactly what she had given him. But there was still always the off chance that he did. For that matter, there was never any concrete proof that her liquid sunlight had been the thing that led to the man's miraculous recovery. But the whole thing had been way too coincidental. In Lily's mind, there was no other explanation. Now Papa was claiming to have his own liquid sunshine. Could it be true? Perhaps her ability was actually genetic. But that would go against how the whole thing worked. As she had told William time and time again, it never felt as if any biological forces were at work when she used her gift. It was simple belief. Her grandpa put the flask to his lips and slurped loudly, despite what could have only been a tiny sip. As he swallowed, Lily looked closely at his throat in order to catch a glimpse of any light traveling down it. Before she could get a good look, Papaw smirked and extended the flask in her direction. Care to try a sip? She hesitated. At first, she was afraid of giving herself away by taking the man up on his offer, but she could not miss this chance. She had to know if Papaw's liquid sunshine was the same as hers. Besides, if he already knew, then nothing she did mattered now anyhow. Only a sip now. Papaw cautioned as she took the flask and lifted it to her lips. She expected to see a dim glow emitting from the metal opening, but did not. Curiosity made it impossible not to follow through. When the liquid touched her tongue, it felt like her entire mouth had been set aflame. It was not a spicy hot, but a kind of burning she was unacquainted with. She quickly jerked the flask away, reeling from its effects. She did not know how she was ever going to swallow the liquid fire, but knew that she had to if she wanted the sensation to stop. Producing as much saliva as she could, she swallowed hard and proceeded to cough several times. When she was finally able to speak, she looked up at Papaw, who was nothing but a blurry shape. At first, it seemed like the fog had simply closed in on them. Then Lily realized that her distorted vision was the result of tears that had formed in her eyes. What was that? She croaked. That, my lily blossom, is what alcohol tastes like, Papaw stated, unable to hide how much he enjoyed the whole scene. It's awful, she exclaimed. Remember that in the coming years, my soon-to-be seventh grader. This was obviously the moral of Papaw's little lesson. Pretty much all the stuff is that nasty. Very overrated, 
but you're drinking it, Lily shot back accusingly. Ah, yes, but I'm drinking it for medicinal purposes, and never very much at a time. Her grandpa's mischievousness was showing again. Lily could not fathom how something that foul could reduce pain, unless it just burned so badly that Papaw simply forgot his injured leg. The man took back the flask and offered it to Miles. Would you like to try some too? No thanks, the boy stated politely but pointedly. Watching Lily suffer most likely had the same effect on him as the actual suffering would have. Then Lily remembered something she had learned recently. Papaw, is that moonshine? she asked. Whiskey, actually, he half laughed. Lily said no more. She had learned nothing more about the type of alcohol William had mentioned and had become more familiar than she wanted to be with this new kind. Papaw returned the flask to the hollow compartment of his cane and the three embarked on what remained of their return trip. Lily's mind took a moment to catch up with all that had just happened, but as it did, relief washed over her. What Papaw had called his liquid sunshine was definitely not what she knew by the same name. Her secret was safe. Bamba was sitting on a porch chair in her night robe when they reached the house. Her arms were folded, and she had obviously been out there for some time, judging by the half-empty glass of water on the side table. Let me do the talking, Papa whispered as they approached. He must be crazy to expect they would do anything else. Upon spotting them through the fog, Lily's grandmother uncrossed her arms and leaned forward in her chair, as if she were about to shout something. But before she could, Papaw sped forward and dropped to one knee at the bottom of the porch stairs. For a moment, there was a look of exaggerated anguish on the man's face. Lily thought it might be because he hurt his leg, but then realized it was all an act. The man lifted his head and held out a hand, palm up, towards his wife. In a projected voice, he recited, But soft, what light from yonder porch swing breaks? It is the... Don't you Shakespeare me, Bill Andrews, she interrupted him, refusing to be wooed. You get your hindquarters in this house now. Papaw got to his feet and motioned the siblings to follow him. A fair request from the fairest of them all. I was just telling the grandkids how lucky I was to land you, wasn't I, kids? He looked back at them and they nodded frantically. Inside, Bamba commanded, thrusting a finger in the direction of the door. Her voice was firm, but it lacked conviction. Papaw made it hard to stay upset with him. Yes, my lovely, the old man complied, quickening his pace as he led the charge into the house. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Did you know that The Many Faces of Lily Andrews has companion music? There's an eight-song collection called The Apristi EP, written by Kevin Morse, available now on Spotify or wherever you get your music. I tried to write the lyrics in a way that won't spoil the plot, so feel free to listen in any order you like. But my hope is that the songs will mean more after hearing the story. A link to that is available in the show notes. Until next time.